Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Four Pillars of Health with Kevin Davis. Today we are going to talk about your heart and how it can be healthy. It's February 2023 and this is Heart Healthy Month. So I thought it'd be a great idea to have a topic concerning your heart and exactly what kind of foods do you need to eat and what kind of foods do you need to avoid so that you can have a heart uh, that is healthy. Now, towards the end, we're going to talk about uh, some points that you need to include in your diet. But first, we're going to talk about heart and heart disease and how we can avoid it. Now, the, the question comes up is, why do we need to worry about um, our lifestyle and our heart? Well, your heart and heart disease is the number one cause of death. Um, now, we're going to talk about some labs that you need to incorporate, probably some labs that you never have had before. And next time you go for a checkup, uh, you know, we need to jot these down so that you can include them in your blood panel to know exactly what your risks are for heart disease. Um, with heart disease, it's going to happen. Um, and, and what I mean by that is heart disease is just a progression of uh, atherosclerosis uh, over time. Now, if you do aut autopsies on uh, folks, uh, what you're going to find is they have some sort of uh, plaque buildup in their arteries. And that's going to happen. But what we want to do is how can we avoid uh, the, the quick buildup? How can we push that out over time so that we don't have to deal with this until a later uh, date? Now, one of the main four reasons why you have heart disease is smoking. And obviously, we're not going to cover that because hopefully you know by now that you shouldn't be doing that. High blood pressure, uh, your cholesterol, and we're going to go in depth about that in just a second, and your metabolically health. Uh, the most common symptom for heart disease is death. 50% of the time, what happens is when someone... Uh, finds out they have uh, heart disease, they've had a heart attack, and 50% of the time, uh, those people do not survive. So what we need to do is, uh, you know, you may be listening to this in your 20s, 30s, or even in your 40s, you maybe think it's not necessary. Well, this is where the process starts. We need to get to a point where we are taking care of these things initially at an earlier age so that we can progress, the, uh, we can slow the progression. 25% uh, of the people who have MI are younger than age 54. So again, you know, that's pretty significant. Uh, if a guy is going to have an MI, 50% uh, uh, of the time, it will be before age 64. So this is not an old person's disease. Uh, this is something that happens uh, quite frequently at a younger uh, age, uh, as you can tell by the statistics. Therefore, the, the key uh, for heart disease is prevention. And that's what we're going to explain a little bit today as far as what you need to do to uh, prevent. Now, atherosclerosis, which is called ASCVD, uh, is, a, is a result of a buildup in the arterial wall of uh, cholesterol. Uh, now, the inside of your vessel walls is what we call your endothelial uh, lining. And we're going to get a little bit technical, but I think it's important that you understand what's going on. And therefore, these lifestyle changes are going to make more sense towards the end when we talk about them. Now, 
uh, cholesterol passage uh, passage and the endothelial gets activated and it leads to inflammatory cells. Uh, these cells clog up in the artery space. Now, we're going to go in more depth as far as the exact process that this happens. And one thing that you're going to be interested to listen to later is when we talk about your cholesterol, uh, we talk about the, quote, good bad, and bad cholesterol, unquote, because really there's no such thing as a good and bad cholesterol because your body makes both of them. And if you think about it, your body wouldn't make something that's bad. But we're going to explain to you exactly what that means here in just a few minutes. Now, the lipids, the LDL, uh, it passes through the endothelial, and that's the lining of the uh, vessel walls. And, it, and, it, and what happens is there's a process, it's called oxidation. Uh, it's kind of like uh, if you leave a uh, banana out and uh, it, uh, and, you know, it doesn't, uh, it's past the ripe stage. Uh, this is what happens with this. And it's kind of like if you have uh, rust on uh, metal that le is left outside. Uh, that's what happens. It's called oxidation. Now, once that happens, you get inflammation. The endothelial uh, uh, lining gets activated. And uh, there are some things that, that get recruited uh, to that endothelial lining space. And because you have inflammation in, it, in your body, senses there, there's an injury. And that's where you kind of get the plaque buildup. Now, some of the risk factors uh, that you have for uh, heart disease is uh, inflammation. And we've talked about a lot of inflammation on our podcast before. Uh, this is where we can do some blood tests. There's a test called your CRP. Uh, if it is increased uh, greater than one, uh, your uh, increased risk of heart disease over five years is over 400%. Uh, there's also a blood test that's called LP slash PALIQ. It's called uh, and it if it is elevated, uh, increases risk factor for heart disease over 200% over five years. Now, some of the uh, tests that we can do as far as like the endothelial dysfunction, uh, there's something called your microalbumin. If you're a diabetic, you've probably gotten this before, and that's where you uh, uh, urinate in a cup and we check the protein in your urine. If this is elevated, it adds a 300% risk of, of heart disease over five years. And of course, your cholesterol. Uh, LDL is elevated uh, an elevated LDL uh, is uh, increasing your risk for heart disease over 20 percent uh, or, or yeah 20 percent increase over uh, 10 milligrams per deciliter over a lifetime and we're going to talk about that for uh, just a second now again I talked to you uh, I said we're going to talk about cholesterol uh, so let's talk about cholesterol because that's the main thing that people worry about. But you can see there's other things that's going on, like the inflammation that we talked about, that is needed uh, for your uh, heart uh, and your vessels uh, to start developing these plaques. So your body makes most of your cholesterol. And um, most of what we eat as far as cholesterol is excreted through your stools. Uh, without cholesterol, we would die. So cholesterol is a necessary component. Uh, it functions as uh, in your cell membranes, uh, and your cell, cell membranes are the things that, le uh, that let the things come into your cells and out of your cells, and that's a very important part of your overall health. And it also acts as uh, aid in synthesis of hormones, uh, testosterone, estrogen. You know, your cholesterol is, is the building block for these hormones. And the most important thing that one thinks that cholesterol does, uh, and it's transported through cells through something called your lipoproteins. So you have cholesterol. 
but cholesterol cannot get from point A to point B in your body because it has it is a fat soluble, and that's where lipoproteins come in. Uh, these lipoproteins is what you probably have heard of, as far as your as called your HDL and your LDL, and basically there's two types of these lipoproteins. There's ApoB and an ApoA. ApoB is associated with your LDL, and ApoA is considered uh, is associated with your HDL. And what they do is they transport the cholesterol from point A in your body to point B. So your body makes it; it needs it in all these cells. So it has to have something to transport uh, the cholesterol molecule because it's fat soluble. It will not travel in in your blood, which is water soluble. So those two things don't mix. Think of like oil and water. Those two things don't mix. So you have to have something that's going to uh, carry the cholesterol uh, component from cell to cell, which is needed for life. And these things that carry the cholesterol are called your lipoproteins. And there's an HDL and an LDL, and they both carry the cholesterol. Now, Again, a lot of people think about LDL as far as your bad cholesterol, but it's not. Uh, LDL, there's two different types that we talk about, uh, especially when you get into a deep dive into your uh, cholesterol, uh, your lipid panels. Uh, there's an LDL-C and the LDL-P. LDL-C uh, is the concentration of uh, cholesterol in one particle. So you have a lipoprotein. And it's the number of uh, cholesterol molecules in that lipoprotein. Now, the easy way to think about this is if you were doing a study on traffic and how many uh, uh, wrecks there were on the car, on the uh, highway. So what you would be concerned about is how many cars are on the highway, not necessarily the people on the highway. So when you think about LDLC, which is the number that you typically get on your five number panel for your cholesterol, if you're not doing advanced lipid testing, that's the people in the car. So if you're doing a study on, um, how much traffic there is on the road and uh, you're trying to identify the wrecks that's on the road you really don't care about the people in the car what you carry uh, what you care about is the number of cars and typically what you get on your lipid panel is the ldlc which is the people in the cars so it really doesn't really give you that that number that you need to know what you need to know is what you call your ldlp and that's the number of cars that's the number of ldl particles so you got your ldlc's that carry the cholesterol uh that are that's the people in the car and then you got ldlp and that's the number of cars or the number of particles that's what you need to be concerned about and when we talk about your labs in just a second that's associated with your apo uh, B. So LDLP is the number of cars on the highway. LDLC is the number of people in the cars. Again, if we're studying for traffic problems, we're not worried about the number of people in the cars, which is your LDLC. We're worried about the number of, of cars on the highway, and that's your LDLP. And that's going to be associated with your ApoB, which we're going to talk about in a second. But first, let's go back to your endothelial wall, because this is a very important thing that you need to understand. It's what damages thing that damages uh, this endothelial wall is the first thing that that is the progression for heart disease, and that's what allows these LDLs uh, to penetrate into the uh, cell or into the lining of the uh, vessel. And that's why I think LDL is called your bad cholesterol because this is what happens uh, with that. So the one of the first or some of the things that are associated uh, with uh, going back to damaging your endothelial wall are things like your high insulin, high uric acid, high sugar, uh, and elevated uh, homocysteine. 
So if you have these things, then you're going to have the first steps to damaging this, this, this thickening of the walls, kind of like the inside of a garden hose. If you damage that inside lining of the garden hose, it's going to allow things to get into it. And that's the LDL. And that's why we call it the bad cholesterol. The thing with the HDL is it can enter those things, but it also leaves it. So the second step is, you know, you got some damage to the endothelial walls and then your body starts their immune response. Their immune response is when you have things uh, like monocytes uh, that attack, that come in and they become what we call foam cells, which leads to streaks and plaques within arterial walls. And we won't go in depth on that, but that's, the, that's how this process is happening. And then you get this inflammation and you get these cytokines. And, you know, with COVID, we've heard about cytokines all along. So you get these cytokines, you get this inflammation. Uh, you get these uh, immune cells that's going to the cell walls and you get this plaque formation. So we have the uh, now so now we have the LDLs in the endothelial lining now and that's why they're called their bad cholesterol. that's why they're associated with that. The thing about it is is if you have ApoAs which are associated with the uh, HDL, then they can remove these, the cholesterol from these cells. And that's why they're called the good cholesterol, um, because they remove some of the cholesterol that's in there. And if you think about on your, on your blood work, uh, there's different subparticles. And again, we're not going to go in depth on this, but there are different subparticles as far as your HDL, which one you can even break down your HDL even further. And you can have uh, five different types. Now, what we want to look at is the big fluffy uh, cholesterol molecule. And the reason why is it's accumulated all these cholesterol particles and it's, it's removing these from the vessel walls. So it's important when you're looking at your cholesterol, what is your HDL? Because if you have a high HDL, then you're removing some of these uh, cholesterol, par cholesterol particles and you're going to take them to other parts of your body. So the problem is, is when you get this plaque um, and you get this buildup, it's eventually going to rupture. And then when it ruptures, it travels down your uh, vessels. And then when it gets to a narrow part in your vessels, in your vessels, that's when you have blockages. The blood can't get through. And then you have a heart, heart attack. So this is like a synopsis of where it starts. And hopefully this is helpful. If it is, let me know. Uh, I would, if people like to go in depth with this kind of uh, uh, information, I would really like for people to understand that the, that we're here to help them and to guide them through this because it gets confusing sometimes. But this is a synopsis of what happens uh, for your cholesterol as far as the plaque buildup. So heart disease, and here's a synopsis. LDL enters the sub uh, endothelial space, that's the lining of the vessel walls, and it gets oxidized. The oxidized LDL particles uh, then binds and it activates the immune response. Uh, this re immune response then it activates the inflammatory uh, response, and you start getting these aggregates of these different types of cells within the walls, and it causes it uh, to form what we call for uh, foam cells, and it starts clogging up the subendothelial space. The, uh, the inflammation markers, uh, what it does is it recruits a small cells, uh, small muscle cells, and a microvascularization leads to a complex uh, plaque formation. And then this plaque ruptures, and then you've got a clot downstream, and then you've got a heart attack. So that's the synopsis of what happens with 
uh, your cholesterol buildup and what causes heart disease. So now we kind of understand a little bit of background. It took 15 minutes to get that. So sorry about it if it bored you with that, but hopefully they give you some information. Hopefully you didn't get confused with this because this is a very uh, complicated situ- uh, um, process that happens. So how can we avoid this? Well, one thing we can do is push out time uh, when these processes start. So even in childhood, it's important that we see uh, what our kids are eating because this is the groundwork of it. So when we start to see uh, people in their 30s, uh, as early as in their 30s, we start seeing some plaque buildup. And uh, so this starts at an early age. So if you have children or grandchildren, the things that they're eating is going to be important as far as preventing these type of uh, plaque builds up, plaque buildup and prevent heart disease at a later date. So the second thing is, how do we protect our endothelium? Again, some of the causes uh, for that is a hypertension. Of course, you're going to have a stress on the uh, in, uh, endothelial lining, which is the line inside of the vessel. So if you have high blood pressure, it's going to cause some stress on that. Toxins, stress, uh, insulin resistance, not mention diabetes, of course, but insulin resistance, which people can have for years before they become diabetic. If you have uh, elevated uh, cholesterol, chronic inflammation, there's also a test called TMAO that we check as far as associated with the protection of the endothelial lining. So some of the tests that you can do, and these are the tests you really need to incorporate into at least your your yearly physical is something called your homocysteine. It's a blood test we do regularly at our clinic. And then also get a urine sample and check your microalbumin. Uh, Those are some of the things that you can do as far as uh, identifying early signs of endothelial uh, damage. So... As far as your cholesterol, number three, uh, what is your number of particles per year for your lipoproteins? And what we're going to talk about is your LDLP. That's the number of particles that's in your blood. Again, look at the LDLP. Uh, it's the number of particles. It's the number of cars, not LDLC, which you typically get on just a standard lipid profile. That's the people in the cars. You want the LDLP. Write that down. It's a very important. And when you're looking at LDLP, then what's the next number that's associated with that is called your ApoB. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. So when I do a cholesterol panel on somebody, uh, the first thing I look at is your lipoprotein A. And I've not even discussed that today. That's more of a genetic marker. So if that's elevated, it puts someone at a higher risk. So that makes me even more uh, concentrated and more aggressive as far as getting their cholesterol down. Uh, then I look at your ApoB. I think it's a much, it's probably the, uh, as far as the, the number that can change and the number you can do something with, uh, that's the number one thing that you need to look at. And some of the other tests that you need to look at is your TSH, iron, ferritin, and I'll include these in just in the show notes and at the very end of the, uh, the conversation today. So if you, if you are not getting your ApoB, uh, that is something you need to write down as well, and you need to get uh, done at your next uh, blood test uh, at your uh, uh, medical office. The other thing as far as prevention as number four is inflammation. Again, what causes inflammation? Insulin resistance, diabetes, gum disease, tooth uh, problems, gut uh, dysbiosis or leaky gut, autoimmune disease, 
poor diet, you know, too much sugar, too much uh, inflammatory foods, processed foods. So one of the things that we can do to monitor this is uh, get a CRP and ESR, which is the test I just measured, uh, mentioned ago. That's very common to get on your blood test. Some of the other tests that are a little bit more specific, and you may have to go to a specialty lab to get these, is your fibrinogen, uh, your oxidized LDL, and what we call your plaque test, which is the LP slash PAL2. So, you know, rewind this, get those down, because you really need to get that at your next uh, doctor's office visit or your physician's assistant office visit. So our goals with our diet, finally getting to that, our goals with our diet is to limit inflammation, limit insulin resistance, and maximize nutrients. If we can do that, we're going to be well ahead of the game as far as heart disease is concerned. So what can we do in our everyday lifestyle that we can uh, minimize uh, the progression of vessel disease, which causes heart disease. What is the what is the things that we can do every day in our daily choices that's going to lessen the risk of us developing heart disease? Now, uh, first thing is sugar. You know, with sugar, it's it's so common; it's everywhere. Uh, men should have less than thirty-five grams. Women less than twenty-five. Kids less than twelve. If you do not know what you're, how much you're taking in, get any kind of app that checks your sugar, log your food, see how much sugar you're taking in. Obviously, that's going to reduce your risk of diabetes, insulin resistance. It's also going to your, uh, lower your uric acid level, the thing that causes gout. Number two, you're going to limit your processed foods. You know, if we can concentrate on whole nutrient-dense foods, you're going to be well ahead of the game. Number three, uh, eat green leafy, leafy vegetables. That goes along with the nutrient-dense foods. Those are the things that we need to really concentrate on. Number four, avoid processed grains. Uh, what that's going to do is it's going to lower the inflammation. Number five, avoid processed oils like vegetable oil, corn oil. What we want to do is do the olive oil, uh, coconut oil, uh, avocado oil. That's going to improve your omega-3 index. And number six, uh, some form of fasting. I think that's so important. I think when you have fasting incorporated into your, into your lifestyle, and that fasting could be intermittent fasting, time-restricted, fasting you know, one day a week, fasting two days every three months. Some kind of fasting, I really help, think it helps because I think it helps your lower uh, your um, inflammation. So those are the things you really need to include as far as your lifestyle to reduce your risk factors for heart disease. Now, some of the labs that you need to do uh, in, gen in genetics, we've mentioned those before. Uh, you need to do the NMR, uh, which is your advanced lipid testing, uh, LP little a, uh, insulin, uh, uric acid, homocysteine, your thyroid function test, your iron, your, your CRP, your ferritin, microalbumin, and something called your TMAO, which has probably never been done before on you unless you're like me and do all kinds of testing on myself. Some of the things that you need to look at as far as genetics, uh, and, and this is kind of like a deeper subject. It has to be one-on-one, -on -one, but there's some certain genes, like if you have uh, FTO gene or if you have PPAR, uh, and we call that PPAR gamma or PPAR part alpha. Uh, you need to watch your insulin resistance. Uh, you also have to watch uh, as far as like how much sugar you're really taking in because your genes are working against you on that part. And as far as saturated fat, uh, you need to find your APOE. That's E as in Edgar, not your B, which we talked about a minute ago. That if you find your APOE status, uh, you can really help as far as dialing the type and the amount of saturated fat you should or should not have. So, different ways to get there. 
how can you get uh, as far as preventing uh, heart disease? What can you do? You need to start early first and foremost. You need to try wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this, this is the day you need to start making some different changes so that you can slow the progression down to that build of the buildup of plaque in your vessel walls. You know, you need to see how you feel with your diet. You know, for instance, with us, you know, Danae feels, my wife, she feels so much better doing a carnivore diet. Uh, she feels a lot less inflamed. Uh, she has more energy. Uh, even doing better than keto with that, even though we do keto at times as well. And she didn't do carnivore all the time, but she feels so much better with that. And the thing that you need, you need to also watch as far as your progression is how do you feel? Uh, or how's your body changing? You know, do you see changes? You may not be losing weight on the scale, but maybe you're decreasing your waist size. And that's going to be a indication of insulin resistance. And if you have that again, that's a risk factor for heart disease. You know, I think it's important you do routine blood work. You know, uh, doing the basic test is a great place to start. But sometimes I think you need to go a little bit deeper to get a bigger, uh, a better picture of your overall health. And then you'll be able to make those decisions, uh, uh, better decisions based on on those labs and what is your goals you know i have some people have a goal of going on a marathon i have people uh, their goal is to bend over and touch uh, tie their shoes you know there's all kinds of goals that you have but if you incorporate uh, some of these changes that we talked about and you have some goals that you want to reach then you know you're going to get there so it's important that you have these goals so that when the times get tough you can you can keep doing the, the things that you need to do so i need some feedback i need some feedback from you is this the kind of podcast you want to, uh, or do you want me to just tell you like at the end what you need to do, or are you interested in the things on, on why are we telling you these things? Uh, I love doing these type of things, but if I'm boring you, obviously I don't want to uh, do a podcast that you're not interested in. So let me know, reply, feedback. Uh, I love your feedback. You know, uh, subscribing as well uh, that helps. So if you uh, if you are interested in this kind of conversation, subscribe, share with people, uh, let them subscribe so they can get the information as well too. We'll try to break this up into short little sweet uh, shorts and uh, short stories as far as breaking up the content uh, to let you listen to where you want to listen to. Um, but this is the stuff we like to do. So hopefully this is giving you guys some um, knowledge as far as like, why do we recommend certain things uh, to help prevent heart disease? And today we're going to, now we're going to turn our attention to our catechisms. It says, is God pleased with those who do not love and obey him? Obviously the answer is no. Uh, if we love him, we will obey him. Um, and we will do the things that we're supposed to do. Now, are we perfect? No. He knows we're not perfect. That's why uh, he, he loves us. He's patient with us. You know, he's given us so much patience over time, uh, more than what we deserve. So if you love him, again, I've, I've repeated this so many times. If you love him, you obey him. So I just uh, uh, implore with you that if you do not have a personal relationship with, with Lord Jesus Christ, uh, today's the day to make that decision. Okay, hopefully this has helped you guys. Uh, I look forward to uh, seeing your feedback, seeing your comments, and I'll see you guys next week. This podcast is for informational purposes only. No patient-provider relationship is implied or established. This podcast in no way represents the practice of medicine. The information given is to be used at the listener's own risk. Please consult your provider before making any changes, as the contents of this podcast is no substitution for your provider's instruction.